Now, my next guest comes from a strong West Cork stock. She's never had a job interview in her life, but she took over the helm of a company in which she became the managing director at the age of 19. And she joins me this morning from BBC Wogan House to tell us a little bit more. Good morning, Jackie O'Donovan. Good morning. How are you this morning? Yeah, very good, thank you. Well, we're expecting minus five here. How's the weather in London? Minus five. It was crisp this morning as I left home. That's a nice way of putting it, isn't it? Crisp. Mm, and very crisp. <laughs> to get through the London traffic as well. Yeah, yeah. It is a nightmare. So we're going to get to where you are now, but let's start at the very beginning. Tell us about mum and dad. Where did they come from? Uh, both my parents uh, were born in a village called Goline in West Cork, uh, down by the Mizzenhead. And uh, my dad then moved at the age of five to Drimmer League, which is still West Cork. And they were... Uh, they met in the dance hall in Skibbereen and the rest, as I say, was history. They went to, to London for the... Dad went and then sent the money back for my mum and my mum followed him back over. So they arrive in London, so it's around, what, 19... Uh, late 50s? Late 50s, yeah. Um, early 60s, then my um, older brother came along and then my sister... And they went back to Ireland. They tried to make a go of it. Didn't work. Came back over again. And en route, my next brother was born. He's uh, He was born in Dublin. And uh, Dad started his own business up and in demolition first. And then he went into waste management. And unfortunately, we lost him at the young age of 51 in 1985 mm. uh, when we were all quite um, young. I was only 17 at the time. And where, where was the business base? Where did they emigrate to in, in London? It was, not, well, we were all bought, born in Kilburn or County Kilburn, as we fondly know <laughs> it as. Um, and then we moved over to North London. But Dad's yard, uh, first of all, he started off at King's Cross, where the British Library is now. And then he went to Gospel Oak, which was John Murphy's yard. Um, and, yeah, we went to various other places and we've ended up in Tottenham. Well, people will be familiar with those places. And, of course, the Galtie Moor. I met her at the Galtie Moor. Yeah, or the forum. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah show my age now. <laughs> no, not at all. Your, your dad, your dad, um, he, like it's a tough business to get into, and he got into waste disposal. He he was, but he was well well received in in the area. He was well got, as they say. Oh yeah, no, he was yeah massively. He was probably one of the biggest biggest players at the time in his era. Um, he was known as Generous Joe um, to all the other people in the industry. But yeah, he was um, massive in in that in that industry in London in those days. Why was he called Generous Joe? Because he was probably too generous, really, if the truth be known. Um, But, yeah, Dad just had that um, generosity streak going through him. Uh, You know, we'd always have a wave or a stray sitting at the Christmas table with us um, or in the car going back to West Cork for holidays. Um, So, yeah, Dad always always picked, uh, picked up the ones that needed help. I'm guessing that when Irish people arrived in London and they needed a job, your dad's phone number was probably in their pocket. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a few stories I could tell you there, yeah. Uh, people pretending they were cousins to get where they were to, uh, in those days, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you, you, you come along within the... So where do, you, where do you place within the family? I'm the youngest. You're the youngest. You're the youngest. Yeah. And so it's a family business, so everybody has to get involved. Yeah, we um, we all got involved. I mean, it was such a shock, I suppose. None of us really thought about, uh, particularly me and my sister, we didn't probably think about even going into the business. Um, but when you know, Dad went so young, Mum was only 48, so it was a massive shock. Sure. But, uh, it but, was all shoulders to the wheel. Absolutely. But but it wasn't, you weren't a stranger to the business. You were there from a young age. 
Yeah, no, yeah, that was our uh, weekend. That was our pocket money. We had to go to the office and, and clean the office. Uh, so mum used to drag us down to clean the office at the weekend, so... <laughs> Oh, did you ever hard work you, hard work at a young age you were probably driving driving machines as well at some stage I was I actually um, I'll tell you who taught me to drive a lorry at 11 was Johnny Rotten's dad <laughs> he drove for my dad and subsequently drove for us then when dad died uh, for many many years ah yeah did you get to meet Johnny yeah, yeah, he done a video actually in the um, in the yard, and his brother had a band called Four B Two. They done a video in the yard as well uh, in Gospel Oak yeah, in Murphy's yard. You weren't joking when you said there was a few stories to be told. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> How long have you got? <laughs> <laughs> but you, 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 your mind was on business. So I, there was a great story about your dad saving up petrol tokens. Yeah, yeah, he used to, um, in those days, he used to get the, the tokens at the petrol station and he used to gather them all up and he'd bring me home uh, like a really plasticky, cheap, tat um, briefcase. But back in them days, it was probably, it looked like a, a design, a, a briefcase. And, you know, I used to strut around the kitchen with it, dreaming about being in this big office block uh, when I was uh, grown up. I suppose with, with, unfortunately, when your dad passed in 1985, there's four of you and there's an older brother. And I suppose in, in, in terms of, say, Irish families, the, the older brother would be the one to be expected to take over. Yeah, um, yeah, the, the, you mean, and we, we actually thought that, that, that Michael, uh, the older brother, would just take on, on the reins. Uh, but then when dad died, it was it was just a different kettle of fish. He was, he was only 23. Uh, he was out in the lorry, uh, so we had to downsize. So we downsized, um, and then the two boys went out driving the lorries, and uh, my sister went off to have my niece, and I was left in the office. And then we got somebody that went to school with us to come into the office, and there was two of us in the office, and it just naturally fell to me in the office to make the phone calls and do the paperwork. So it wasn't a. a, a a deliberate decision. It wasn't something we sat around the table. I just took, I just took the reins and and got on with it basically. I think sometimes, and I, I know from experience with family businesses, that that uh, hierarchy of uh, an older, the older brother, the person who's supposed to take it, that could be a terrible weight on people's shoulders. Yeah, I, I think um, I think everybody was looking at my older brother uh, as a mini dad, and my older brother's uh, got an awful lot of um, attributes and. I think it was unfair. He was only three weeks married, so it was a massive shock to him. And of course, he was he was working with dad for years and years, so it caused a massive void in 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 his life, uh, you know, as much as the rest of us. But obviously, he was working longer with him. But yeah, I think I think it was it was expected that he would he would take the business on, um, and he he had. Uh, uh, a massive key role in the business, as did the two in the middle. Um, we all sort of took our lanes, and I suppose my lane just seemed to be the one that was more public to people um, because I'd have to go to working groups or um, meetings or go and see the bank manager and things like that because the boys were out on the road in the early days. So I, it wasn't anything deliberate. It was just it's just how 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 it fell, how the cards fell, I suppose, and. You know, uh, people do say about family businesses, but we've worked harmoniously together for, I, I don't say how many years it's that long, uh, you know, well over 35. Um, and, and we've never had a massive fallout. And it's, you know, 
to the point where we actually socialise together. So I think we're very lucky that we've been able to have that relationship as a family and have the experience of, you know, growing up and bringing up our families, you know, entwined with each other. Uh, A lot of people say, oh, God, I couldn't even have my brother over for Christmas Day. You know, that's enough for me. But no, we we socialise and work together and have done. Yeah, it's it's amazing, yeah. It must have been hard for you, though, sitting in the office at 17, um, with Dad gone and probably reminders of him everywhere. Because you you were quite close to your dad. Yeah, I was daddy's little girl. Um, I suppose I, I wasn't in the office at 17. I stayed at home to look after mum. We were worried about mum. So it was probably knocking the 18, 19 I got into the office. And yeah, it it was a different office. I had to, one of the first or second challenges I had was we, we got marching orders out of our yard. So we had to get another yard and I actually signed a 10-year lease for the office that we're still in now, actually. And so we're knocking on... 38 years in there and a 19 year old signing a lease for 10 years is like signing your life away and how did the bank treat you when you went in to to meet them well I didn't have the Irish accent Uh, I was the wrong sex and I didn't play golf (laughs) so I didn't have a lot going for me unfortunately because you were dealing with an Irish bank I was dealing with an Irish bank. Well, the first Irish bank told us uh, that none of us uh, were ever going to follow in our father's footsteps uh, or be able to have uh, the business acumen that he had. Uh, so they closed our account down. So we had to go to another Irish bank over in England and um, join them. And it took absolutely years and years of very good numbers to finally convince the bank manager that actually I did know what I was doing and we all were behind the business and it was we were growing year on year uh, and then he decided to resign retire <laughs> okay yeah so you start you start all over again no no told him wasn't doing my I had my old plates on for him I wasn't going to put them back on for the next manager <laughs> he just needed to look at the numbers I can hear the steel in your voice there Michael <laughs> Michael was out on the truck Caroline and and Anthony were doing other things within the business but but you were in the yard and and if anybody has been in a waste disposal yard it's a busy place with trucks coming and going collections deliveries uh, and look, let's face it, particularly in the in the 1980s, a lot of male-dominated kind of conversations and uh, viewpoints in the yard. How did you deal with that? I just got on with it. I suppose back then in the 80s, the male-domination piece wasn't really a thing. Um, I didn't know it was a male-dominated industry. It wasn't something that was, you know, I was coming across. Um, I was office-based. I was answering the phone. There was only two of us in the office. So I didn't get out that much. Um, so I suppose it would be the odd bank meeting to the bank uh, or the bank would be coming in and, until we started to get bigger and bigger and stronger and stronger and, and the business grew and grew and then I realised I mean even today I could still go into a meeting and be the only uh, female operator in the room with 20 or 30 other men So business starts to boom and everybody seems to find some, something something to do within the business which they still do today Yeah Um yeah, we, we all had major roles. So my sister headed up the busiest uh, departments that was doing over 50% of the turnover. Um, my older brother uh, was picking and choosing the vehicles and where we were going to buy yards and, and looking after the drivers. And then the other brother was going between uh, different the yards, looking after the yards and banking and such things. How do you find time for yourself at that stage? Though you're such so young in the business, and and probably the business is seven days a week at that stage. 
Yeah, it is. I mean, it's seven days a week, twenty four seven. It's it's you. You don't when when you're in business and you're running a business. You know, there is no work life balance. You know, work is my life, and I absolutely love my work. I wouldn't have it any other way. I I every day is different, and every day brings a new challenge, and every day I learn something new, and it's just yeah, I wouldn't change it for the world. But you you did manage to find somebody to to marry and have a child as well. Yeah, I, uh, I got married and I had a lovely bouncing baby boy who I named after my dad, Joseph. Oh. And yeah, and then I got postnatal depression and my marriage ended when Joseph was three months old. Three months? Three months, yeah. So I had postnatal depression for about three and a half years. Okay. But it just wasn't something that was discussed in those days. Very much a, a taboo subject, I suppose, at that stage massively taboo because you know it was always oh you know you know so and so she had 15 kids in the trot and you know you've only got one so you know you've got to get on with it it was that sort of mentality maybe this is where where having family around comes in as an advantage oh massively yeah you mean i couldn't i couldn't have managed uh, without my mum i mean my mum was my saving grace uh, and my son is the man he is today because of uh, both me and my mum so raised by the raised by the family the extended family yes but you, and did you have time for to, to, to go to school, to bring him to school or to do that stuff while you're trying to manage a massive business? Yeah, I did know. Um, I it, religiously took him to school each and every morning. Uh, he was never late, I might add, uh, from the whole of his school term. And uh, he was uh, very sporty, so he played all the sports at school and I would go to all the matches on the Saturday and then he played rugby on Sunday and I would go to all them. Um, so, yeah, you know the taxi mum the taxi oh, so, yeah. but I absolutely loved it yeah I absolutely loved it uh, the only one game I couldn't stick was cricket so I used to bring my paperwork with me do my paperwork when everybody started clapping I'd look up and start clapping yeah <laughs> tedious tedious sport don't know how anybody does it but never mind uh, and where, how's he doing now? yeah he's doing very well now yeah he's just starting out on a on a new career he's just finished uh, university he went to America for university and um, yeah he's he's very good did you get to go over and see him? Oh, I went very regularly, yeah. Once, nearly once a month. Once a month? I've only got one. Yeah, I used to go out on the, the five o'clock flight on Friday and come back in on the red eye Sunday night, straight into work, yeah. Oh, he was spoiled, wasn't he? Well, yeah, well, it was probably more me than wanted to go than rather than him wanted to see me because we used to call each day. But yeah, yeah, you've, I've only got one. <laughs> Did you do his washing? Yeah, oh, cool, yeah, yeah. Gosh, yeah. Yeah, I did, yeah, yeah. And thank God they had big washing machines in America, yeah. Yeah, I think his washing and about five others, I used to just be loading washing machine from the time I arrived to the time I left, yeah. <laughs> You're a bit like your dad bring, bringing strays back to Cork as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So the business now, O'Donovan Waste, actually we have a lovely text in for you as well. There's some great videos on YouTube of O'Donovan's trucks and machines, especially those stored trucks to re- that reflect the fleet over the years. There's also great banter with uh, Darren Asheville on his channel. Fair play to the family that came in this morning. Oh, thank you. Yeah, my brother's got um, a vintage collection of uh, vintage lorries that go back to the time where he learnt to drive at the age of well, probably 13. Uh, yeah. 13. Hopefully not yeah. on the streets. Um, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> but the your Irish heritage is very important to you. 
Oh, massively. Yeah, massively, yeah. If I had a magic wand, uh, I'd wish for an Irish accent. I just think it's... I just am so proud of my uh, Irish roots and not having an Irish accent. But people don't identify me as being Irish as I would identify as being Irish. Um, but, yeah, I just think that... You know, mum and dad's era gave up so much for us to have a better life that if we're not careful, the next generation's going to forget it. Mm. And so many people left Ireland to come to England and, and go further afield. And I just think that that fact that they had to leave uh, the shores and, and go and find uh, money and send it back and make a better life for themselves, I think is such an important story and one that should never be forgotten. And we, there's some great London, the, the Irish Centre in London is, is uh, particularly uh, good for meeting people in the diaspora and meeting friends and, and making new friends and maybe keeping in touch with home for people who have just arrived. Yeah, it, is, it's, it does phenomenal work at the London Irish Centre in Camden Town. Uh, they're looking at a massive um, redevelopment project at the moment to be the best uh, Irish Centre in the world. And I have no doubt that they'll achieve it. They've got a great uh, collection of people there the, and... Um, stars irish stars that that support the actual project but you've you've supported it too you you, you gave some funds to uh, for the archive is that right it is yeah we we gave the money for them to buy the archive so it's in middlesex university uh, stored in a, a controlled temperature room oh. and, yeah um and that was actually uh, quite synonymous in itself. So when we went to see the archives that night um, at the London Irish Centre, uh, a friend of my big brother's, uh, my older brother, uh, was sitting next to him and he, he he actually saw his dad on the screen. It was on one of the clips and he was actually digging, he was a tunnel tiger, digging a tunnel next to Shane McGowan's dad. That's amazing. And it was like, yeah, it was like, wow. Um, so, yeah, I think it's so important to keep... Um, mm. The the memories, yeah. Yeah, and there's a wonderful Irish centre in Hammersmith as well. They've done some great work and they have a great library yeah. there and performance space and I've been there many, many, many times. Are you, are you, an, uh, did you receive the Order of the British Empire? I certainly did, yes. King Charles bestowed it on me on the 19th of December, my favourite time of the year, Christmas. Just 19th of December, just gone. Yep, yep. That was a cherry on the cake for 2023, yep. <laughs> And what's he like? Did you have a nice chat? Yeah, well, my um, my mum was sitting up near the front uh, as she was waiting for me queuing and uh, with my son, and they said that he actually spoke longer to me than he did to the ones before me. Uh, and we were talking about biofuel and getting rid of fossil fuel. So, yeah, he's passionate about the sustainability element. Fair well, play to I can remember many years ago working in a factory and they were, they were a man came in to collect fluorescent tubes in what looked like a plastic coffin that's what we were and we kind of gave him a bit of a hard time you know ah, what's all this and he said to me Look, here's the, the, the future waste disposal and water if you want to invest your money now that was in the late 1980s he said that to me and how wow. right how right he was he was collecting yeah. those tubes to recycle them at the mm. time when nobody everything was going in the skip I mean we used yeah. the, people used to fire the the fluorescent tubes like javelins into the skip for the crack and let them explode but little did I know that he was exactly right. Your business must have changed from 1985 when you took over right through to now. The business must be unrecognisable. Oh, totally unrecognisable. Um, you know, 20 years ago, you, you know, you'd go into a room and people go, oh, what do you do for a living? Oh, you're in waste. Oh, right, OK, they move on again. They wouldn't want to speak to you. Now everybody is um, aware of it and the, the, the impacts. And I suppose... 
I suppose what's frustrating for me is that people don't understand the full cycle that waste goes through. Um, you know, people, I, the, the biggest one is people often, you know, go on about their wheelie bins outside their house and how they segregate their waste. But then they turn around uh, when I ask them how often it's collected. It's one lorry comes every two weeks. So the, the, they've gone to the trouble of segregating all that waste and it's actually going into the back of one lorry, um, which is like, right, OK. But people don't think further than their wheelie bin, but because they don't understand the whole cycle. Exactly. And, and and also contamination of, of when you contaminate waste, that it's, it makes it so difficult to recycle it as well. People cause awful lots of, lot of problems by putting in filthy containers and the wrong waste into the wrong bin. It makes a huge difference. It does. It makes a massive difference. But I think that's down to the people that are trying to educate. I think they, they, they make it too complicated. Aren't you? I'm a firm believer in keep it simple. You know, why make it complicated? If you can say it in a sentence, why use a paragraph? So what's the plan now? The business has been sold. Yep. What are you? What's your plan? Um, I don't intend to leave the industry because I think um, that would be. I don't think I would be able to anyway. I think um, I think I'd miss it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stay in the in the business. Um, I'm probably gonna do a bit of consultancy work, and then I'm gonna go into different areas um, of interest, which are not really associated with waste. But yeah, yeah. Watch this space. Watch this space. And you have a house in Goline. We might see you down there at some stage. Oh yeah, I love it. That's my happy place. There's a text from a Jackie for you. I met Jacqueline at the Irish Embassy in London last year. What an amazing, warm, lovely lady and brilliant supporter of all things Irish in the UK. An incredible woman and a great female role model. Well done, Jacqueline. Oh, thank you. Isn't that nice? But look, thank you for yeah. taking the time to give us your story this morning. Uh, Jackie O'Donovan and best of luck with everything in the future. Thank you for having me. 